uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord God, we are grateful. As Tim prayed earlier, thanking you for your son's resurrection, we are very grateful. What it brings to pass in us, through the work of your Holy Spirit, forgiveness of sins, the desire to be with one another, to love one another, and to have this time. We'd ask that you bless it in your son's name. Amen. Well, as you look at the top of the sermon notes, and it says Easter 2017, then you look over to the right-hand side, and it's out of Second Kings. You're wondering what incarnation. Is this one of those churches that people hand rubber bands to the pastor in? Tradition. Tradition. Now, I've never been, I don't mind preaching on the resurrection, and we're going to be getting to that. Um, but this is a sort of, I, I, I don't want it to be what people hear usually from uh, good men saying good things about the faith. Um, I won't tell you how I got to Elijah being caught up in a whirlwind, and he was caught up in a whirlwind. He wasn't caught up in a fiery chariot. Every artist from the Renaissance on seems to have thought, because they didn't read their Bibles, that I'm going to put Elijah in a fiery chariot, and it says he was caught up in a whirlwind. There was a fiery chariot there, but we'll get to that. But there was something interesting. It was, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was looking for resurrection, you know, raising the dead passages that you get in the Gospels, obviously, Acts. But you also have it in the Old Testament. And Elijah and Elisha both raised the dead. And I thought, that would be an interesting passage to look at regarding Resurrection Sunday and somehow tie it in. I didn't know how. So I was looking at the life of Elisha, and that got me reading more surrounding passages. And I got to this, where Elisha enters the ministry, and it led me to another passage that registered something else to me that was how we face the resurrection. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, like I said, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Then Elijah said to him, Terry, here I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, 
and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let me inherit double share of your spirit. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him over against them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's a great story. A lot of internal lessons you could pick up. Elijah trying to put some barriers in front of Elisha. I'm going to go on to Bethel. Why don't you stay here? No, I'm not staying here. Everybody's saying, hey, you know your master's going to be taken today? He said, yeah, I know that. So, no biggie. I got this worked out. Elijah keeps trying to put him off. He keeps saying, no, not going anywhere. And Elisha is ready when Elijah says, what can I give you before I'm taken? And he says, I want a double measure of your spirit. And then Elijah says, okay. And this ties into Elisha's juking with Elijah about whether he's going to be there or not. You know, first to Bethel, then to Jericho, then to the Jordan. If you see me taken, you get it. If you don't, you get zip. And then the chariots of fire and the horse of fire separate the two of them. Elijah's taken up. Elijah's, Elisha sees it. And he then, on the way back, does the same miracles that Elijah's doing. And you follow Elisha's career uh, for the next number of chapters. Now, what's interesting to me is not just, oh, okay, so is this like Jesus going up? Is he saying that with kind of the ascension? Elisha, uh, that's what you're going to tie in here? No, I'm going to do that. There's something right at the end of this passage, you may have recognized it already. It's in red. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, it's natural that Elisha would say that. What had just happened? He's standing there with the uber prophet. That's what you sort of think of Elijah as. He, He can call fire down from heaven and had done so a few chapters earlier on a whim. You know, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. That happens a couple times. And then the third guy with 50 soldiers goes, I'm sorry, don't kill me. Elijah could do that. Elijah was, uh, for those of you who are classically trained, like Tim the Magician. 
You can call me Tim. But you can shoot fire out of your fingers. You're one of the big boys. And Elijah is that way. We don't have, really, we don't have a book of Elijah where Elijah's prophecies, like Isaiah's, are written down. We don't. We just have Elijah sort of at war with the kings of Israel. Being difficult, like prophets can be. And so this big moment happens. This big moment happens. And fiery chariot, fiery horses, it is natural that the other, and Elijah's a big prophet too, would say something artful. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And it's not, you say, okay, this is sort of, maybe this is just Middle, middle uh, Eastern proprieties, you do that. But it says he's responding to what he saw. A little later in Second Kings, here on the left-hand side, you see that Elisha sees this sort of thing. This, uh, the king of Syria had come down to try to trap Elisha because Elisha was giving away everything to the king of Israel. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was round about the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Elisha doesn't go, Lord, let me see your chariots of fire. He says, Lord, uh, I'm seeing this stuff. Uh, I just sort of thought he would know. But I guess he doesn't see. Would you help him see what I see? Elisha seemed to be seeing pretty consistently this sort of metaphysical moment. But I want you to be thinking about something as we go further into the passage. Um, what Elijah had said to Elisha, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. In other words, you'll get this if you see. If you don't, you won't. Okay? You want to keep that simple. Now the reason this jumped out at me was not because this one circumstance or the circumstance in chapter 6 we just read. It's the circumstance in chapter 13 of, first, of Second Kings. And I just have a couple lines of it. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die. So now it's at the other end of Elisha's life. Elisha has been reasonably young when he gets picked up by Elijah. He has years of ministry under various Israelitish kings. And he is now dying of some sickness. He is not going to be caught up in a whirlwind. He's just going to croak. But, just to tell you something about Elisha dying. I mean, you say, well, Elisha, what did he ever do? Compared to Elijah. Elijah gets caught up in a whirlwind. I learned that at church. What did Elisha ever do but just die? Uh, Elisha is the only person who raised someone from the dead after he was dead after he himself was dead. He dies, they bury him, he rots in the ground, there's only his bones left, 
A group of people are burying some guy. We don't even know the guy's name. They are attacked by robbers. They get scared. They drop the body. It rolls into an open tomb. And everybody else is running away. The brigands are running away. The friends of the dead guy are running away. He rolls in and touches Elisha's bones and is raised to life. So, don't be going, Elijah is so much better. Elisha has his own chops. He can, he can take care of himself, even, even dead. But he's sick. He's going to die. Everybody knows that this great prophet, who for years has been a difficulty, and a difficulty to the king of Israel in those circumstances, Joash. Joash, I didn't put it in here, because I ran out of room, as you can see. Did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He was one of those kings. Joash was a bad man. And he comes running to the prophet's bedside. Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, oh, in red too, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. What in the world? These are the two times that phrase is used in the Bible. Within years of each other, obviously, to the same guy, but different persons say it. Elisha says it in one case. Joash says it in the other. Both about the death of a prophet, or the translation in Elijah's case, death in Elisha's. But Joash is saying, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. Would you notice anything absent there? The chariots of Israel and his horsemen. Oh, he says it. But there's no chariots of fire and horses of fire showing up, galloping between Joash and Elisha. He just says this. I love the phrase. Poetically, it's great. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And you're going, I don't even know what that means, Evan. Well, yeah, but feel it, feel it. You have a soul, don't you? And so Joash is probably feeling it too. Joash, who worships the Baals. There are no chariots present. People discuss this, as you can imagine. You've heard of people who spend their life discussing Bible verses and, and fighting over them. If there were better pay in it, I'd probably go in for that, but... Here's, here's some weird situation. Now it could be that Joash had heard that Elisha had said that. You know, that it was popular. That Elisha had said that, it's recorded. Everybody was that saying it. Everybody was anybody. Everybody at Bible study always said it. And so Joash said, okay, I've got to say this when I get, get down there to Elisha's house. It could be one of those reasons. Now, this is what struck me. The commonality in the moments and the separate things in the moment. And how much insistence Elijah, for the real benefit, that is that when he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, it's a transition moment. The spirit of God is moving from Elijah, who is taken to glory, and to Elisha. And he comes back with power. That all the other sons of the prophets go, he's got the power. And he proceeds to do, if you read through 2 Kings, all sorts of great works. 
We don't have any transition. Joash does not become a good man. He wasn't a good man, doesn't become a good man. Doesn't become a powerful man. Doesn't inherit the, the ministry of Elisha. He just says the same thing. <coughs> Think back of Elijah's requirement. Trying to put him off saying, nah, why don't you stay here, I'll go on. Now I'm coming with you. Another great scene. Monty Python, I'm coming with you. Uh, you guys, you're so ill. The education today. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And it unnecessarily, for, I don't know if it takes us that many times for us to recognize a pattern, but he does it three times, and three times he goes, no, I'm not leaving you. It's almost, an un, it feels like an unnecessary repetition, but we have to look at it and say, there's this insistence that Elisha wants to be there looking at this moment. I know he's going to be taken. The sons of the prophets come out of two cities and go, hey, you know he's going to be taken today? Yeah, I knew that. Hold your peace. I knew it already. He wants to be there. He knows what's coming. Far better say than the disciples of Jesus, who didn't seem to know anything. Elijah, Elisha knows. And he wants to see and he insists on seeing, and then it transpires that that is the crucial moment. If you see me taken, you get this. You don't if you don't. And when he says, my father, my father, it's of what he saw. Got it? When he says this great line, it's of what he saw. When Joash, for whatever reason he said it, it's not for what he saw. It's possibly just for Jewish tradition these days. What's kind of, what kind of all the cool kids are saying when somebody dies. My father, my father. We know that Elisha is a guy, when they say someone's a seer, it's because he sees. He is a seer. Elisha sees these things. He can open other people's eyes to seeing these things. But it's important that we don't become the Joe Ashes of religion. You say, ah, the point. We don't become the Joe Ashes of religion. We're the Elishas of religion. We want to carry on with the spirit of those we have looked upon, especially our Christ, with the spirit of Christ has done, I need to look on it actually. I need to be someone who sees it. When it tells you, you, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, is that Romans? Somewhere? I think it's Romans. Somewhere. Romans 8. Oh yeah, Romans 8, 9. But if you are not, not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God really dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. We're concerned with this moment of transference. We're concerned not just 
that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised, but that as, as we look on it, because faith is the operative thing, we're going to look at it and believe or not. And so we know one of the key ways of disbelieving is, is, is to go get plowed. And another key way of disbelieving is to become really religious. And we're probably more in danger of that. We need to not look on the resurrection and say the thing that Christians say. Because it's important that you have stuck with him and knew that looking upon him actually, looking upon the risen Lord, seeing Christ as he is, is the, time, is the moment of transference. It's where you have attended, you have loved, you have believed, you've looked upon. Across across the country today, um, and I sort of intentionally didn't say this because this was on my mind uh, to anyone, and I'm not, I like, some of my best friends are Anglicans, and I'm sure some of you are Anglicans, or Lutherans, or something. But in other churches, you know, real churches, someone will say to another on Easter, what? He is risen. And you say. Because you're Joash. Because it doesn't matter if you really see him as risen, you know what the next line is. If I were to say, our father, I'm having a boom, falling off a log, we can do this. We've got religion. And Joash doesn't know. He comes, I mean, he's, look at him, wept before him, crying. He's going to say that line, he is risen indeed, with, with every sense that he's doing everything religion calls for. Oh, sincerity? Beauty? We like these lines. We need to have our eyes open. If we do not see the actual chariots of Israel and its horsemen. I said, did you say actual? Like I gotta see chariots? This is 2017. Nobody rides a chariot. When I say actual, I mean the actual metaphor. Unless you see the risen Lord, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen are your view of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Have you looked upon it as far as you can? Would you see Jesus in everything you encounter? Not that your life was entirely other, walked in the ways of his fathers, the wickedness of Joash, ready to quote a piety when called upon to quote a piety. Do we represent people like Elisha who throughout the last bit, while the Lord you know, does this with the parables, pushing them away? You guys don't want to understand this, right? Are we the guy who goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to... Christ asked Peter, are you going to go too? And he says, where else are we going to go? 
You have the words of life. Is that what you're thinking? No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going with you to Bethel. You to Jericho. You to the Jordan. I want to see everything that comes down from heaven. So the last two chapter, verses here, the sections I have. 1 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's a great passage. I've quoted it often in my life. Uh, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Think of that in terms of Elisha and Elijah. Waiting for the double measure of the Spirit being passed to him from having witnessed just Elijah's translation. Elijah is just, you know, the real version of Gandalf. I'm trying to relate to the dorks here. We do minister to dorks. Jesus loves them. But he's the real thing. He's the real sorcerer. He can do stuff. And it's just seeing him yanked into heaven. There are two people that we knew about that were yanked into heaven without dying. Enoch was one. Elijah, Elijah was the other. Elijah, Elisha knew it was important to watch this happen. To pursue this to the end. We're dealing with something far more than that. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. Somehow, some veil is lifted from your face. Joash, if you want to think of it in those terms, has the veil of, this is all there is. You just got to be religious and polite, right? Say, he is risen indeed, when somebody says he is risen. Some people, I don't want to say, we're not a, we're not a very liturgical church at all, but so I don't want to say that someone really saying he is risen and someone really saying he is risen indeed is there anything wrong with that? Because Elisha said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But you need to know that the veil's been lifted, that you have looked upon the glory of the Lord. And you have been changed by that sight, so much so that when you walk back across the Jordan on dry land, the sons of the prophets go, yep. The power of God rests upon Elisha. He has the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what you're looking at. Because nothing else. It's results that matter. It's who you are going into the situation and who you are coming out. To, get, to escape the fake piety that seems to you know, gather in heaps around some people. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, and this is what I was reading on to get to, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the likeness of God. A lot of vision illustrations. We were talking about hearing during the, during the break. 
You're talking about people, ransoms, uh, implants, the ability to read lips. This is all about sight. Who have you looked upon? What have you looked upon? Are you one of the blind? Do you know what is even the difference when the pastor keeps saying fake piety? What does that even mean? Aren't we just supposed to say the right thing when the right thing, you know, genuflect at the right moment, cross yourself, say yes, pastor, or bish? Now, we're a very, very, the Christianity, look at this, we're not disgraceful, we're not underhanded, we're not going to be cunning, we're not going to tamper, it's going to be open statement, we're going to commend ourselves to your conscience, we're just going to tell you, it's going to be, it's not going to be dressed up with, with, with too much, too much decoration. Because what's really important is you finding out whether you're blind to see the living Christ, or you're not. Have you seen the light of the gospel in the glory of Christ, who is the likeness of God? Have you seen it? Well, I don't know. Have I seen something? I know how glorious it is. I know how much it's affected me. You start to describe your sight. Listen to yourself to see whether you're describing having seen it. Don't confuse this with Evan needs to have the congregation all have some mystic fit. Where you're, you're, you're falling off the pews and, you know, twitching. We're trying to be the kind of people who, when after Jesus Christ, saw him risen and were changed, received his spirit because we saw the resurrected Lord. For what we preach is not ourselves, says in verse 5, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That helps you out a little bit. It lets you know that it's in your heart. This is not a physical kingdom we're trying to create. This is not a particular church that will have a, you know, a big light show behind this so that when I walk out with strange off you know, music and then the lights come up. And a fearsome pastor with long fingernails or something. I'm trying to come up with a good, good, wow, that'd be a pretty cool church. Yeah. We're not trying to give you a physical moment. It's happening in your hearts. That's where the light is, right? Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Has it? Check your faith. Are you just a Joash saying, my father, my father, he is risen indeed. Or when you hear of Christ spoken. Now, you guys, who, I don't know who requested that. Uh, it is well with my soul. But you, you know that third verse. Well, all verses. Are saying such excellent things. When you think about my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. You know how some of you feel even saying those words because it is evocative of what your heart has had enlightened. What you have seen, what you have known because you saw it. Here at the end it says, 
First John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is so much a biblical idea. Your hope of glory is wrapped up in this as well. You have been changed by seeing in your heart the power of God in Christ in the resurrection. Your belief in that, you have been real. You haven't been pious. And it has changed you. The Spirit of God has come upon you because of that. And then in the end, when we don't know what the resurrection is going to be like, but the thing we're counting on is that we will see him actually. And when we see him as he is, we shall be like him. What could be better? We're like Elisha, tagging along and not being told to go away. We're not going to do it. We're not going to go someplace else. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We are about becoming a double measure of the spirit that Christ has given. Elisha wants to be like Elijah twice as much. He wants to have more of the same. This persistence is about becoming something that you have looked upon. I want to have more of what Christ is. So the raised Lord, the risen Christ, powerful over death. It's about purification. You purify yourself. If you, if you hope in this, this is what you're about. You're about righteousness. You're about the holiness that uh, God expects. Lastly, here on the left-hand side, I have a short verse, a couple verses from Romans 10. Speaking of your conversion. That's about your end times. We will see him as he is. We shall be like him. What does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're about these basic ways of looking. Have you looked at this and accepted what it is? What it claimed for your heart, for your knowledge, for your internal vision, you know this is truer than any other true thing you could imagine. You would rather look at this than look at anything else. You'd rather define everything in your life by this rather than by any other definition. Your salvation rests on whether or not you have looked upon the risen Lord and said, God raised him from the dead. I believe it in my heart. And that's the light that is shown in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And it's had an effect on you and you've come back over the Jordan and people are going to say, they have the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of God. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're grateful that your son's death, burial, and resurrection carries with it the power that it does. To look upon it, to believe in it. To not be turned aside from it. And to not replace this looking upon it with any kind of religious accurate statements that can be made to try to make others think we are good, that we are yours. Lord, we ask that we would look upon it personally and we will have the light of the glory of you 
Shine in us because of your Son. We'd like to praise his name. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.